All right, hello, and welcome back to Celluloid Jelly, a podcast featuring two ex-video store guys who just love talking about movies. I am CJ Talbot, and joining me as always is my co-host... Cesar Alejandro. Hey, Cesar, how we doing? I'm doing okay. I, it's super weird because we're actually in the same place right now, and you're looking at me while I'm doing this, and now I'm actually super nervous. <laughs> I was just thinking, you sounded super clear just now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is kind of a special episode because, uh, you know, uh, if you pay attention to the podcast, you know that, uh, that I live in California, um, and Chelsea lives in California. Hello, Chelsea. Hi. <laughs> that's it hi hi that's all you get <laughs> such excite and uh and cesar was able to come out and visit us uh for a few days so we decided to uh uh check out a movie and uh a classic movie uh and and talk about it and along with cesar came out another one of our great friends and former suncoast co-workers uh, miss jordan smith hi jordan hi guys how are you doing? I'm great. I'm this, excited. This is your first appearance on Celluloid Jelly. How's it feel? It feels great. Yeah, you just we're <laughs> sitting in our dining room right now. <laughs> so um, we'll see how this goes. But it's great to have you. And uh, do, you, do you want to tell the people what movie we're, we're going to be talking about? Of course. We're going to be talking about my favorite movie, Ghostbusters. There you go, Ghostbusters. Not the 2016 version. No, not that one. Okay. But the 1984 film starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, uh, directed by Ivan Reitman, um, and it's a it's a great movie, great pick. So we're happy to do this. Yes, we all are. We all are. Ha- we're all happy. Um, so uh, honestly, you know, um, I guess I wanted to ask you specifically because you suggested that we do this movie. Um, you know. You uh, are a young person. I sure am. <laughs> you were not alive when the first Ghostbusters came out in 1984. So how did you become such a huge Ghostbusters fan? Like, when did you first see the movie, and, and how did you sort of latch onto it? Sure. So I first saw the movie with my mom. She showed it to me, but and I hated it the first time I saw it. Saw it. You hated it? I hated it. Wow. I was like, this is stupid. How old were you when you I was probably it? eight, so like... I was like, this is dumb. Wait, then, you were eight years old and couldn't appreciate Ghostbusters? Like, you're, that's the target age group. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just like, the jokes are dumb. I don't like that guy, Bill Murray. And now... Me either. That guy's <laughs> overrated. And now that I'm like... Chevy Chase. Yeah, <laughs> Chevy Chase is where it's at. Now, if you have a Ghostbusters star in Chevy Chase, that's a movie I want to see. Well, Michael Keaton was originally going to be Bakeman. Mm, so nice. he was considered before Bill Murray, and that would have been awful. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure, actually. I mean, Bill Murray is great as Peter Venkman, but Michael Keaton's pretty... Like, look at Michael Keaton's early 80s movies, like you know, Mr. Mom and Night Shift and stuff like that. Like, he's pretty cool. But can Michael Keaton ad-lib like Bill Murray does? He was a stand-up comedian. I mean, Michael Keaton's pretty rad. He's, I love Michael Keaton, don't awesome. get me wrong, but some of the ad-lib lines that Bill Murray delivers... I think you're getting like... carried away, CJ, because definitely no one, no one would be better than Bill Murray. Michael Keaton... Possibly could have been good, but he wouldn't have been better than what we ended up with. Well, Bill Murray wasn't even like you. You know the history of Ghostbusters and how this began. So, what was the the impetus for this story? So, Dan Aykroyd, his family had he grew up around spiritualists, so he was always really interested in the supernatural and more recently aliens. Um, so, when he wrote the script originally, it was supposed to be um, set in the future. And it was going to be multiple Ghostbuster groups um, right. fighting spirits. Um, so he wrote that in space. script. 
That, that's right, and in space. Interdimensionally, right. <laughs> um, so he wrote that script, and then Harold Ramis came on board and said, maybe not. <laughs> Simmer down, young man. <laughs> Simmer down, young man. Like, the budget for it was going to be ridiculous. It was going to be like $300 million yeah. like in the 80s. Which was... Well, Ivan Reitman had said 120 million, which was impractical, and and they had to get it down. Ultimately, the budget was 30 million dollars, right? So, um, but yeah, I, I read that uh, that Ackroyd had like this wild and crazy thing that was going to star him and Belushi, and it was all set in space, and yeah, it was competing Ghostbusters groups, and uh, and that once he gave it to Ivan Reitman and said, "Read this," Ivan Reitman was like, "I like the idea of." It was called Ghost Smashers, right? Yeah. I like the idea of smashing ghosts, you know, but we need to sort of ground this in reality. So he's the one who suggested set it in in New York. And uh, and he and Harold Ramis went and spent a weekend in Martha's Vineyard with Dan Aykroyd, and they all rewrote it sort of together over the course of a few days. So, um, yeah. yeah. Martha's Vineyard, where Jaws was set. <laughs> They went to Amity Island just because. Just because. Yeah. So, uh, you know, aside from Jordan, you, what do you what do you guys have as far as your experiences with Ghostbusters? Mm, well, uh, I was born '84, so I did not have an opportunity to watch it in the theater. Um, I probably saw it. I, was, I, I didn't check. Was Ghostbusters the highest grossing movie of '84? It has to be in the top three. But I mean, was it number one? Even if it wasn't number one, it would have been the. It, it's probably. A larger cultural phenomenon than any other film that came out that year, probably. Um, I mean, Terminator. I, I came don't know. Out that Indiana year. Jones and the Temple of Doom. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that <laughs> one is the one that resounds. <laughs> um, but I was probably like four, so late '80s is probably when I watched it for the first time. Um, I remember enjoying it right away, but I guess at that age, you know, uh, some a lot of times you just remember images as opposed to like um, precise things. Um, I recall being a massive fan of the animated series, the real Ghostbusters, when I was a kid, um, collecting toys and things like that. So a lot of my Ghostbusters love comes from the animated series, more so than the film. Though I can definitely um, watch the movies quite a bit more than the cartoons these days. There's a lot of um, things my adult mind won't accept <laughs> from the real <laughs> Ghostbusters animated Too series. Too much silliness, or uh, I don't know. I just I just feel that like. You know, the animation isn't as good as I remember, but, but like, the maturity of um, of some of the jokes in the Ghostbuster films and how, like, they resound differently to an adult mind, you know, makes me love the film quite a bit more than the cartoon at this point. What about you, Chelsea? Um, I don't... I honestly don't think that I had seen Ghostbusters all the way through until I started working at Suncoast and they showed it in theaters, like, as a Halloween promotion, and I think I remember going with, like, you and AC, because AC's friend Mike, like, dressed up as, like, mm-hmm. in, in the outfits. I think that was the first time I'd seen it all the way through. I think I'd seen, like, clips of it on, like, like cable if it was on, but, like, we didn't, like, own, I don't think we owned it, and I don't, I think that was honestly the first time that I'd seen it all the way through. And then the year after that, um, we watched it out in my backyard at, at Halloween time again. For for you listeners, Chelsea pointed at me. I did I, point at Cesar. Okay. <laughs> it's radio. Auditory. <laughs> I forgot. So, yeah. Cool. I, I saw Ghostbusters in the theater in 1984 because I'm the old one here. So, but uh, I, I, do, I do recall uh, that and it was a good experience and I really liked the movie. So I'm glad we get a chance to talk about it. 
Um, How did you go from hating it to loving it? <laughs> um, just rewatching it because my well, when my mom and Tom both really like um, '80s films, and like he'll he brought he bought like cartoons for us, so like Heathcliff, He Man, and the Real Ghostbusters, and so I kind of got into the Real Ghostbusters, and then came back to the the film and said, and as I got older, I was like, there's more to appreciate here than just. It's three deadbeats who get together and <laughs> save the world, and I could appreciate that more get, as the older I get. So now you've become quite a Bill Murray fan over the years, and I, I like to give you a hard time. Yeah, you know, I love Bill Murray too, but I like to give you a hard time about it. Uh, but how did you like? Is is this like ground zero for your love of Bill Murray, or did you start to in, enjoy and appreciate his other movies first? My my favorite fil- Bill Murray film was Stripes, and that's when I really was like, yep, this guy is the peak of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Keep going. Oh, man. Um, and But that film also has Harold Ramis in it, and I'm a really big Harold Ramis fan. That was the movie they did right before Ghostbusters, uh, and Ivan Reitman also directed that one. So, And that, I think that's how Bill Murray kind of got in the door, because they weren't considering him at first. Like There were a couple other names. Well, once Belushi died, this sat on the shelf for a while, um, and uh, I, I don't I don't know if this is the case, but I assume because Poltergeist was such a huge hit the year that it came out a couple of years before this, that that sort sort of started a wave of sort of like ghost related movies. What were um, other films um, before Ghostbusters like that that were like big hits? I don't know. Just Look Polter- it up, man. Just Poltergeist. <laughs> That's the biggest one, yeah. yeah. But there's uh, that was eighty two though, yeah. So, were there any? What were some kind of immediate? Poltergeist also like uses a ton of like special effect shots, the way that Ghostbusters does too. Mm-hmm. But Ghostbusters is like, it's probably like the first giant comedy blockbuster that incorporates a lot of special effects. I can't think of anything before that that does. Yeah, you're probably right. And, and and now that since Ghostbusters, that has been something that they keep going back to the well on time and time again. Uh, I think probably the most successful one, though, is like Men in Black. That's kind of like Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, so what are some of your favorite things about Ghostbusters? Um, the movie. The movie. <laughs> the movie. Um, just like as I've gotten older and rewatching it, um, it's kind of like a little, it's a little, it was probably when I was eight, it was a little bit scary. I mean, the opening sequence is not probably not for children. Like I, I feel like it's got a lot more adult themes than it, than most people think. I think it's easy to forget how tense some of the scenes in Ghostbusters are like, yeah. because it's become such a big part of our like pop culture consciousness and our like for kids who grew up in the eighties, like they're childhood dna entertainment dna is is ghostbusters is a big part of that um but if you go back and like really rewatch it in the right setting yeah the, the opening scene with the librarian is tense the scene with sigourney weaver where she gets like she comes home and the refrigerator lights up and they they grab the arms come out of the chair and grab her like that would be a really intense scene for younger viewers i think um them turning into dogs like is pretty scary you know it, that that sort of thing so and the, the like I, like the library not the librarian itself but uh the when they go to see the apparition in the library 
and it changes from like the kindly old lady to like the really like freaking out like bone skeleton isn't she a librarian too though well she may be a former librarian yeah i think she tells them to yeah yeah do you guys um how much do you guys know about like the physical effects in this movie I know what for one scene with Slimer, it was actually like a peanut that they, um, it's so it was um, blurred out. So it was him flying across one of the halls and they used a peanut on a string. Yeah. Who did the special effects? Was it, uh, it was one of the guys from Star Wars. Was it Richard Edlin or was it John Dykstra? I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up. I think it was Richard Edlin. How do you, how do you imagine, we're talking about the earlier scene, um, the opening scene, uh, where librarian is kind of being followed by like, um, poltergeist antics behind her. That's like um, my favorite practical effect in the whole movie is when the the index cards like shoot out. Yeah, I was of the I was wondering, do you, any of you guys have an idea how that effect was achieved? Because I think I, it looks great. I even read like, it's a know. false wall. I and, read on IMDb that there's someone behind it who pushes the, them open from like the backside, and then they use an air tube to to shoot them up yep. out of the mm-hmm. the things. But it's it looks pretty, really it's cool. pretty effective. Really yeah, cool. absolutely. I, the practical effects definitely hold up more than the optical Special effects. Special effects, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the ghosts have a very, like, this movie has a very, like, specific, uh, like, visual quality to the effects. Um, it's, not, it's not quite like Close Encounters, but it, it sort of has that same halo around everything. That... I did see on IMDb that the refrigerator light was inspired, what, like, the director... Like was inspired by Close Encounters, so yeah. that like specific. Kind that of makes sense because it's very much like the 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 alien light coming through the door of the the Melinda Dillon yeah. house yeah. with the kid. Thanks for answering my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's get into performances. Uh, who's who's your favorite Ghostbuster? <laughs> Harold Ramis for sure. Okay. Um, cool. He was inspired by one of his one of the exchange students that he went to school with, and then there was a German philosopher that he kind of combined the two for the role, and he wasn't even supposed to star in the film. Um, originally, they were going to have somebody else. Like, I can't remember what the names were, but um, I think it was Christopher Walken. There was a whole list, but I, just Christopher Walken as Egon would have been. Great. I kind of want to see the, the screen <laughs> testing on that one. I, I kind of think that I, Harold Ramis is a much more, like, giving actor, a much more, like, unassuming personality. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's whip smart. You can really tell he kind of exudes, like, uh, like intelligence. But, uh, but, like, Christopher Walken would have maybe, like, been a larger competition for, like, for Bill Murray in, in, in the scenes. Like, he, there would have been... Uh, he would have gone bigger, I think, than Harold Ramis. I, 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 I would not have favored a Christopher Walken starred. <laughs> <laughs> Big sweeping hand movements holding Ghosts, the they're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this Twinkie. <laughs> this Twinkie could be 38 feet long. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. Now what's recorded for posterity, though. <laughs> I have the worst Christopher Walken imitation. All right. Cool. Anyone else like Egon? What's your... I like Egon. I think Dan Aykroyd is my favorite one, though. The heart of the Ghostbusters, yeah. as they say. I really Everybody like... stands. I really like like his reactions to everything. And 
Yeah, he he's like a he's like a big kid. Yeah, like he gets very excitable. Mm-hmm. It's very much you know like you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can but see honestly, why you... like my favorite character in the whole thing is Rick Moranis. <laughs> I love he's he's I the love one you so you mentioned that some of the Cesar you mentioned that some of the cartoon stuff like did not hold up for you. What I thought you were gonna say was that some of it was too silly, and I think. You know, one of the things that I really love about this movie is that it's really like grounded in a reality that is recognizable, um, and that makes it a lot more believable. And Rick Moranis is the only person who seems, and I love his performance, and I, I like that that he's a little bit more broad, comedically, um, but he's the only one that kind of feels silly. Everything else in the movie kind of feels like uh, drier. You know, like the the comedy from it is is coming from a different place than where Rick Moranis is coming from. But I love um, Lewis Tully; like yeah. he's he's great. Like the the door gag never gets old. And then <laughs> every he's time the key he, master. Yeah, every time he comes into the hallway and can't go back in, I like I laugh. Every he goes time all he in too. It. Like he bumps his face into the door every time. Well, I, <laughs> I I I listened to the commentary track for this at some point, and they were talking about um, that he. He brought a lot to that character. That was supposed to be John Candy, which I'm sure Jordan. But knows. John Candy like had weird. He wanted the, he wanted him to have two dogs and yeah, wanted he, to do a German accent or something like that. Yeah, and they he were didn't, like, this is he didn't understand the character. And and when John Candy dropped out, Rick Moranis was waiting happily to take the role and had a lot of ideas. And they just kind of let him run with it. And apparently, um, the scene where the he, he's scene. having a dinner party. Which is a great like one take shot up until the point where they reveal the 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 demon dog in the closet. Um, it's all ad libbed. Like he came up with all that dialogue himself, and the the whole oh, the, idea the about it being a tax write off because he didn't invite his friends, he invited his clients, and uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. So I love that. He's oh. not my favorite character though. Gordy <laughs> Weaver is my favorite character. Wow. <laughs> I love Dana. Yeah, she's pretty cool. I had a big crush on Dana growing up. Loved Dana. See, I liked, I like Emmy Potts Janine. She's great. She's awesome. Yeah. She's really no nonsense. Ghostbusters. What do you want? <laughs> I don't want to talk about Ghostbusters two a whole lot, but like, I don't like the change in her character from the first one to the second one. I, I like her much better in the first one. Never yeah. seen the second one. Well, so. The second one, they had to change her character because of the cartoon. Yeah. Um, just her look. Well, they, they wanted have more to. color. Well, with the cartoon, they had to with the, with the original testing, like they kept the gray suit, uh, the tan suits, and like they kept the hair colors the same, and they kept Janine looking the same, and then it didn't really pop as a cartoon, yeah. so they wanted to make her a redhead, and then all the suits changed different colors, so you could identify the ghost. Well, is Annie Potts that. normally a redhead because she's a redhead, and uh, she had a big television hit after this, uh, designing women. Okay. With like Delta Burke and stuff, and she was a redhead in that show, so she may be naturally a redhead. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like a wig in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's obviously a wig in Ghostbusters too, but it's it suits her. Yeah, yeah, the color suits her. The wig is horrible. Yeah. So who's your CJ and Cesar? Who's your favorite Ghostbuster? Annie Potts. Okay. <laughs> She's kind of a Ghostbuster in the second one. We're not talking she, about the she helps one, Lewis Tully. Um, I mean, you know, I think I think people underestimate the you know the, <laughs> the amount of work that Janine does for that company. Yeah, well, I mean, look how busy they <laughs> Type are. Type something, right? will you? We're she's, paying for this stuff. She, she's she's the first line of defense against Peck. You know, 
She does. She she does. I like that scene a lot uh, because she's really like, oh no no no, like you know, I've seen TV. You can't come in here without a writ or a warrant or something <laughs> with a writ. <laughs> it's like the old west or something. Uh, you see her with the police officer picking up or dropping off. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. She's so deadpan. I love it. She's a she's a good counterpoint to to all the other characters. Mm. Um, I like her crush on Egon mm-hmm. too. I like that it's not reciprocated. Yeah. I like that it never goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, that she kind of has a, a little bit of thing for the boss. Well, the... one of the bosses. Because they're, I mean, honestly, their personalities are kind of the same. They're just <laughs> coming from one side that's coming from, like, like intellectual level ones coming from, like, street smarts. Yeah. The original cut... Well, there's a deleted scene that's really great in the special edition. Um, she gives him... that was actually shot and everything. She gives him a World Fair coin that someone in her family had, and it was good luck before... It's right before they drive the... Um, drive Ecto-1 down the street to go fight... Um, to so to see the mayor or after that? After that. Okay. After they see the mayor and they've suited up and they're going to fight Gozer and everything. And he, and she gives him the coin and she's like, it's good luck. And he's like, I don't believe in luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just don't mesh. Like, she she wants it, but he's, like, completely, like, oblivious to it almost. Yeah. 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 Is there a scene where the other Gozer's like, where's my, <laughs> like, where's my luck? Like, Egon, <laughs> hit that, would you? Like... <laughs> No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I think one of the more interesting things that got cut was the whole thing with like the, the ghosts in the cabin, um, which uh, a, a lot of people who see Ghostbusters think that the, the Dan Aykroyd scene where the ghost is floating over top of him like takes place in the firehouse, but it doesn't, right? Right. It was, they, they turned it into a dream sequence. Um, I don't think they should have kept that scene in there at all. Cause I think it's make funny, sense. though. You, you mean the one with the succubus? No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with the, the, the little, you're talking about that scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, go, the ghost BJ. <laughs> the ghost BJ. Nice. Jordan's yeah. face is red right now. Yeah, that scene. <laughs> but it, it, they made, it was originally going to be, um, it was a whole sequence of them like fighting different ghosts, and that was in one of the sequences, and they turned it into a dream sequence, which makes no sense. Oh. It it gives Dan Aykroyd one of his funnier moments in the movie, though. Yeah. It really does. He goes bug-eyed. Yeah. There's yeah. A, well, cross-eyed. Well, I mean, well yeah, yeah, I've always... Well, I think, like, if it's the succubus, like, that's supposed to be something that infiltrates dreams, though, yeah? It's not actually, like, a, a spirit in there. We'll take your word for it. I'm throwing that. my hands up in the air. I, I don't to, know. I, I don't know to... anything about succubuses, so it's our enlighten me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's like a sexual ghost that's what it is it feeds on male sexual desire there's a there's an opposite one called incubus which you know attacks females so there you go I read a lot of ghost books when I was a kid nice from the works of Daniel Cohen if people when you were a kid reference. you were reading books about incubuses and succubuses yeah that was that was that was educational okay it was a non sounds like it it was a non-fiction in the 100s in the Dewey Decimal System CJ <laughs> <laughs> all right well um let's talk about the script a little bit um because this obviously changed a whole lot from the original concept but uh i i, I think it's safe to say that like the first i think from the opening moment of the film all the way up until maybe the montage after they capture slimer when when they start to become famous like that stretch is maybe like 
maybe one of the best 50 minutes to an hour of any 80s comedy, period. Like, it's really, really good. It's very solid, well-constructed, funny, um, but not silly. You know? um, I think it's paced well. I mean, you're not, yeah. like, bored at any point during the film. It, it shows progression. I like that. I think I think the last half of the movie is is good, but not as good as the first half of the movie. So one, once they start getting bigger and it becomes more about saving the world, um, as opposed that's also to, when the effects tend to kick in yeah, quite a bit more too. Though. You know, I I like the um, and this is one of the things that that Ivan Reitman said in in his commentary track was that he wanted this to be the story of three guys going into business with each other, and like once it goes from that to them saving the world i'm a little bit less interested in what's happening but it's still it's still good it's still funny um but like the gozer stuff doesn't do it for me as as much as the early stuff so. yeah zool over Gozer. what do you think i agree <laughs> <laughs> no i do like the beginning of the movie more than the end of the movie and like the end if i think it's still good, but like I'd rather watch the beginning, like because I like the I don't know. <laughs> yeah, generally I, I agree with you about like the first two acts as well. Um, yeah. The last act, though, I think there's a lot of gratification that exists in like that last half because you know, especially if you're a child watching this film, you want to see them bust ghosts and like, mm -hmm. shoot laser beams and yeah. Um, you know, plus you know, it definitely sold a lot of toys. I imagine. Yeah, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Mm -hmm has become very iconic. Now, Stay Puft was not a real brand, right? They made that up. They made, yeah, they made up. up that brand. Right. It's like supposed to be a cross between like the Michelin Tire guy and the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. yeah, it does make me curious because you see there's a bag of Stay Puft in mm -hmm. Dana's um, kitchen right. after he was grocery shopping. There's also an advertisement for it like on one of the streets. Sure, yeah, but yeah. like what kind of cuisine does she need like a giant bag of marshmallows? Maybe yeah. she's <laughs> making a sweet potato casserole. Well, that's freaking delicious. Man. I don't. I don't get those things. What is that's that? It. <laughs> Maybe she just wanted to roast some marshmallows. Maybe hot chocolate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, eggs. It is New York. Who does, who does it put? Who what does, time of year is this set in? That's a good question. It it's looks fall. Like, yeah, I was gonna say it, August. It, it's fall. Yeah. They don't mention Halloween because I feel that might have been too easy a connection. But it's you know people are wearing like not necessarily wearing scarves. Yeah, but like like Dana's so. wearing scarves and a coat, yeah. and when when she and who's the. Who's the musician. violinist? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but the, the violinist that she is with uh, when she meets Venkman and he does the little pirouette outside, um, which, is a, which is a great little touch. I love that. It, like, Is that John Glover? No. No. No, I can't remember the actor's name. Michael um, Bay. It looks like Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like Michael Bay. Holy shit. <laughs> Young Michael Bay with his, with his clearing his nasal passages. No, I've seen that guy in other stuff, but I do not remember his name. But uh, but in that scene, like everybody's wearing autumn clothing, and so it it I, it's got to be like October, November. So, yeah, Is that Timothy Carhart, violinist. Yeah, yep. Um. So, but this covers this covers some territory though. Like, the the movie probably starts in the spring, I would assume, right? And then and then goes into the fall because that the the montages that they have of the Ghostbusters catching ghosts and becoming famous. I mean, that didn't happen in a week. Well, that probably happened over a couple of months. I was going to say, it's got to be a couple of months because there's a whole, there's a montage. Well, and during the montage, one of them's wearing a Christmas hat. So, like... Yeah. At least a year. 
Yeah, but she's like she's like their first client, and it takes a, you know a year for whatever to happen. Right. So maybe they started in August and then they came. I, back I to like August. that though. Like it's you know like that she's the constant over the course of like that. But they it's not like they had contact though. She's she, she's following them through television and like you know I mean unless Bill Murray's been visiting her like weirdly. On yeah. Her. Well, like that one scene with the violinist, yeah. like that's him checking in with her weeks or even months later, saying, "Look, we found this information out, and you know we're still working on your case, but you know we haven't we don't know what's going on yet." Mm-hmm. Anyway. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Scratching <laughs> scratching that itch was uh, very dead, satisfying. Dead air. <laughs> <laughs> I was scratching an itch. Sorry, I can't do two things at once, Cesar. Haven't you learned that? Oh. Well, I forgot because I don't. I'll, I was watching you scratch. Usually, I don't have that opportunity afforded to me. <laughs> <laughs> you're being very quiet today, and you're not normally quiet. So, Chelsea, <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite parts of Ghostbusters? Uh, I like the the antagonist character, Walt, Walter Peck. Walter Peck. Oh, sure, William and Atherton, the, the great William Atherton, who is amazing in everything. The Bill Murray's line: "Yes, it's true. This man has no dick." Greatest, li- like greatest line. Greatest line in this movie. Best uh, I don't know if you want to tell this story, but uh, about what the after uh, effects. Yes. Yeah. Please do. Go ahead. So, okay. I, I, I'm gonna be I because so I want after, someone to say it. <laughs> after this movie, he got really harassed by the people of New York. Like tourists on buses were yelling at him, and Aww. just he was straight up abused. He was thrown out of a bar. So. Well, you know, I was that just, I, I was thinking like. He's an actor, who cares? Well, I was, <laughs> like, I was thinking like, you know, did this movie set back the efforts of the EPA for decades? <laughs> Probably. So everybody goes, oh well, man, the EPA is here. Uh, Ivan Reitman tells this little anecdote about how um, uh, he, there was like a grad student that sent him like his thesis and it was like an entire paper written about how uh, Ghostbusters reflects like the 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 current um, atomic mindset in America and 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 how the EPA like goes into that or whatever. It's like somebody spent time to write an entire book essentially, you know, to get their PhD on Ghostbusters and how they portray the EPA and, and atomic energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what was his reply? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't remember. He was like, "Someone said it to me. I didn't read it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he probably didn't read it. He was probably just like gobsmacked at the idea. Um, but, uh, but William Atherton, at some point, he must have embraced that because all he did was just play dick characters his whole career, pretty much. Like, Real Genius came out a couple years later, which I just recently rewatched, and it's hilarious, and I love it. Um, but he plays the college professor who is in league with the government and the military to develop laser technology for a weapon, and he uses the college kids played by, um, uh, you know, I can't remember the, the names, but, uh, but Val Kilmer's the main one. Um, and he uses them to develop the laser, but once they figure out that it's going to be a weapon, they have to sabotage it. Uh, and uh, William Atherton is brilliant and amazing in that movie. And then, of course, he shows up just like two years after that in Die Hard um, as, as the reporter who won't leave the McLeans alone. And he's a, he's a prick in that, too. <laughs> so, but he's great. I love that. He's like the trifecta of dick rolls. <laughs> you know, well, like his his initial interrogation of Bill Murray in this movie, he's so he comes up as so kind of like he's so smart. 
But I, I, I like when we re- when we rewatched it. There's a playful quality to it too. Like he 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 kind of enjoys the game. I think because when Bill Murray is playing hard to get and sort of being defensive about the whole thing, and he says, you know, you didn't say the magic word, and what is the magic word, please. He just kind of takes a second. I thought they were going to make out at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, but he, he just kind of gives like, this little smile, like, "All right, you know, I'll give it to him." And uh, may I please see the storage facility? And then, and then after it continues, then he loses his patience with him. But it, it, at first, he's very like willing to kind of go back and forth with mm-hmm. him. I like that. So well, I mean, like once once you know they caused an explosion. <laughs> once the containment no. unit is open. <laughs> It's like he he turns into like the biggest bitch. <laughs> I love the scene with the mayor. Mm-hmm. Like you know, <laughs> the the scene with the mayor is great, Lenny. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's that guy's name? Is it David Margulies? No. Is the the act- mayor. The actor or the mayor? I think that's his name. He just passed away last year, didn't he? Oh, I don't know. I, I You're the like, Ghostbusters expert. Okay, I feel okay. like I, I've already. I, Why I feel do like you I've, have like normally? I have notes in front of me. Like I'm free flowing today, but like you should have like a bunch of like notes and stuff. You're like Ghostbusters expert. It's all up here. It's all up top. Yeah, okay. David, it's all up top in your Egon haircut. There, yeah, that's where I keep all my <laughs> Ghostbuster knowledge. I love it. David Margulies, and he did die in 2016. Yeah, is he Juliana Margulies's like uncle or father or something? Is it spelled no the same way? I don't know, but I don't know too many Margulieses. They must. They must. Margulies. Related. How do you say Margulieses in plural? Is it eases or the Margulies family? Margulieses. Margulies. Margulies. Anyway, he's terrific. I love that scene. So. Yeah. That whole part of that whole section of the movie is great because. Um, Where like the cardinal, he comes in. Yeah, and, I, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting that um, like all the Ghostbusters. Like they're very careful not to be like anti-religious uh, in, in the movie in general. So all the Ghostbusters are, uh, whether or not they're practicing, they obviously are Christian um, and and have a belief in, you know, the, the other. Times. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's not you know they're not just coming at this as you know from a scientific or academic angle. Like they they have. I guess you have to. You, know, you got if you believe in ghosts, you got to believe in. The afterlife. Mm-hmm. So, um, no. boy, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's the the theocratic, <laughs> you know, analysis of Ghostbusters. I'm sure there's probably some. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Winston a little bit? <laughs> Love Winston. Okay. Winston's See, I, Ernie Hudson, of course, plays Winston. Um, he's one of those characters that. In recent years, he's kind of been um, marked as a token character. But I feel that, you know, he admittedly does come into this film a little bit late, but he's got more than a handful of good scenes. Um, and lines. Yeah. I have seen shit that'll turn you white. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, he's the guy that, you know, he brings that everyman knowledge to, like, um, Dan Aykroyd's character. Well, once they realize something's wrong. His background, though, I don't know if you want to get into this, uh, he was, like, a former military uh, the, the character of Winston was a former military specialist. Um, so you want to... Sure. Um, they don't really go into this in the movie, but they explore it in the IDW comic books. Um, Winston, he was a Marine. And, like, um, he's he's having trouble adjusting back to civilian life, which is, I think, why he made a, maybe would have gone to the Ghostbusters. Because, I mean... 
that's not exactly normal. That's not no. a normal job. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, I, I don't want to say they're tactical in the way the military is, mm. but it'd be something familiar. Do, do you feel like maybe Winston tried to have a regular job and like the Ghostbusters was like a last resort? Like, because I get the feeling like in that scene where with Annie Potts, um, where he's just like, if there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you want. I feel like he's like almost at the end of his rope at that point. Well, I think when he says that, that's also kind of indicative of maybe military training. I always when like that makes me think of like you know, Forrest Gump. I'll, t- what's your job, Private Gump? To do whatever you tell me to. Right. Drill sergeant. That's something I didn't make a connection for until just this moment. That's Ghostbusters, <laughs> a ki- the gift that keeps on giving. It really is. <laughs> but Winston's Winston's great and I, I like Ernie Hudson a lot and he's popped up in a lot of other really good movies mm-hmm. and stuff so um, interject something come on I just like that shot when they're outside of the building before they go in and it like zooms in on the three of them and he's just kind of behind them like looking like he's trying to like get in the frame he has some good reaction shots the reaction shot um, in the mayor's office when Bill Murray is is uh talking to the mayor and saying, Lenny, you will have saved the lives of millions of registered voters. W- Winston's reaction in the background, like, and he just sort of, like, gives the little, like, a knowing, like, smile and, like, this is what Venkman does best kind of thing. Yeah. Like, he, it's a really good, like, he's just right over his shoulder, too. So, yeah. It's cool. He was originally supposed to be Eddie Murphy, but, um with conflicts with Beverly Hills Cop was being shot, which is why Eddie Murphy now, is that Now, is that yeah. true? I'm pretty because, sure that's true. Because I've seen interviews with Ivan Reitman where he says that Eddie was never part of the, like, what they were talking about once he was on board the movie. Maybe you just but assume that, it because of the Saturday Night Live connection? Well, I read on um, IMDb that, um, who's the actor? He plays Winston. Was it Eddie? Ernie Hudson. Ernie, Ernie Hudson. Hudson. He said that when he first got the script, it was a much bigger role. And then when he got yeah. to set, they gave him the script, and it was much more cut down to a smaller role. And he says that he loved doing the movie, and he had a great time, and he loves all the guys. But he says it's kind of like a bittersweet kind of like love-hate thing because it was supposed to be a much bigger thing than it turned out to be. Yeah, I can see that. In the movie, they basically just use him as like an audience surrogate so that yeah. they can, when they start explaining like how the traps work and things like that, like he, they have a reason to do that. Up, he literally no. has that line, like I'm like you, or no, that's Bill Murray who has the line. He's the like, explain it like exposition, like, yeah. you know, he's your reason for exposition. Yeah. The Eddie Murphy thing was in an antidote of a book that I have. Oh, okay. Well, so I, I'm not sure how true that is. I, but. I remember him saying Eddie wasn't part of it, but I don't know. Danny might have talked to him after Belushi died initially. So like, it, it, at one point, the package might have been Aykroyd and Murphy as a twofer yeah. Yeah. You know, before they made it. That a, makes sense. It would have been $120 million. <laughs> <laughs> not, not then. Yeah. Not then. That's uh, maybe, maybe at 1990, Eddie could have commanded that kind of salary but not anymore and not back then mm-hmm. so poor eddie <laughs> poor eddie <laughs> poor eddie <laughs> poor rich eddie in his beverly hills home yeah. with his 18 cars and swimming pool yeah. rejecting his illegitimate children <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez uh, there no, were there were a few other actors who uh, were originally sort of attached uh do you want to 
Sure. I mean, Chevy Chase was a big name that they were originally going to have in. Of course, because Chevy Chase ruled the 80s. Okay, well, wait a second. I'm very happy that Chevy Chase is not in this movie. I think I do not like him at all. I mean, the vacation movies are fantastic. Christmas Vacation is a classic. There's only one character. Or well, no. There's only two characters that Chevy Chase could have played in this movie. Vankman. Vankman and Louis Tully. Oh no! Don't make him Lewis. He would have been a he's much clumsy. different he's clumsy, but he he could have been a, a little bit more of a like a legitimate like maybe romantic tension type thing um, with Dana. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, instead you just get a violinist with a stuffy nose. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what else? Come on, Jordan, this is your oh, thing. Man. <laughs> why, why don't we, okay, why don't we talk about the theme song? Ray Parker Jr. Ray Parker. Yeah, I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> so, I mean, this, this song was I know the massive, song. Massive, what about it, Cesar? It was a massive hit. It was um, number one for three weeks, wasn't it, when it came out? Uh, I don't know specifically, like, it was the It was I'm the best-selling sure best song said. of the year. Yeah, that year. Um, have you guys seen the music video? I Absolutely. It's got Aww. Chevy Chase in it. It sure does. <laughs> Amongst John other Candy, stuff. too, right? John Candy. Danny DeVito's in it. Roseanne's in it, isn't she? I've never seen it, so I couldn't tell you. Let's see. Roseanne, who recently got herself into some trouble on Twitter, but yeah, you know. no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> got her show canceled. No, she just got kicked off the show. They're doing a reboot called The Connors. Yeah. Without her. That that's not gonna work. It didn't work for uh when Valerie Harper got kicked off her show back in the eighties. They, they they had a show called Valerie's Family and uh and she left the show and they just called it the Harpers. Um and it did not work. Just like when Three's Company ended and they had, they had the Ropers, it didn't work either. <laughs> so the well, Connors, a, I'm predicting it now. The well, the Ropers is a different concept, though. That's not about, like, you know, that's a spinoff. That's not. I don't know if you keep John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf and um, who plays the daughter. We're getting, we're getting sidetracked here. You uh, might Ray be Parker able to. Sarah Gilbert. <laughs> Sarah, you, you might be able to pull it off. Yeah. Okay. Mean, Ray Parker Jr., go. Okay, well, that's it. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to steer it back forcefully. <laughs> Are you like the driving instructor who has the second drive, like the second wheel? No, and, well, like, the driving instructor doesn't you're... have a second wheel. He just has they a just have In a lot wheel. of them, they do. No. Yeah, in a lot of training cars, they, they, have, they have a driver's side I've wheel. I've never seen that. And then they have a second wheel. Maybe they do it in California, wrong. CJ. No, they do it in Maryland. I've seen them. <laughs> Not anymore, old man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> As someone who just went through driving school, I can tell you that they never once had a second wheel. They had a brake, but they didn't have a second wheel. Okay, well, it, it exists. Google it. All right. <laughs> now we're really off track. Anyway, Ray Parker Jr., Ghostbusters theme song. The, so, the song's great. I, I mean, the song definitely adds you know, a, a dimension to the movie. I, I like the idea that there's like a, a, a pop quality to some of the soundtrack. Um, and I think that that complements Elmer Bernstein's score, which is terrific. Um, Elmer Bernstein's score, um, I think is overshadowed by by the other music in the song, or in the, in the movie, especially the song. Yeah, well, the theme song, I think also is, you could say it's very responsible for how kind of long-lived and how memorable this franchise has become. I mean, you can't... I think if you play this song in the middle of the street, there's going to be people either humming it or singing the lyrics to the song. Like, if you just play any street in the United States, someone will 
someone will probably respond to that manner. You know, Ghostbusters song is is very much like uh, like YMCA or ear, cel- ear celebration. Yeah. yeah, where it's you know you can't. It, it just makes you smile when you hear it. Mm-hmm. But my favorite. Um, song on the soundtrack is like the magic I, I think it's called magic um, yeah. it's the scene where the rooftop gets blown mm-hmm. off and you got all the spirits going around the yeah I get that part <laughs> yeah that little, mon- that little montage magic, scene is pretty magic. cool yeah, like, uh, yeah <laughs> I like magic, that magic. Yeah, that montage scene is pretty cool you get to see a, a lot of interesting stuff um, like you know I guess like the uh, skeleton cab cabbie and, oh yeah yeah Slimer well, that that part dogs. of the movie is like this movie does a great job. When we were talking about the script earlier, of like setting up uh, stakes as it goes along that change. So, like for example, like the scene that takes place after they get kicked out of um, uh, Columbia University, where they're outside and they're you know they're drinking out of a bottle, and Bill Murray has the idea to go into business, you know, catching ghosts. Um, at that point, the, the, like the question of the movie becomes like, will they become successful businessmen? Will they become Ghostbusters and, and make it make a go of it? Um, and then like after Dana comes into the picture, you know, and she wants to throw Bill Murray out of her apartment, it becomes a more personal stake for him. And the question for the audience becomes, will he win her over? You know, how will he do this? You know, and get the girl. And then later in the movie, you know, you get, um, you know the stakes go up even again, and and uh, after like the containment unit gets blown up, then it is how can they put the genie back in the bottle, or how can they save the day? You know, you save know, the world, save, save the city from all these ghosts. So I, you know, it, it keeps kind of like the uh, the the goalposts keep getting a little bit further apart, like and keeps you invested in it the whole way through, which I really like. I thought you were making a soundtrack joke because one of the songs is Saving the Day. So like, <laughs> Saving the Day. Do, do, do. Who's that? Who's the, the actress that plays uh, Gozer? Oh, she was like a Scandinavian yeah. model. Like that's I they dubbed her voiceover because her accent was too funny. Oh. Yeah, when, you don't get her real eyes. You don't get her real voice. Probably not her real hair. There was there's yeah. an IMDb it's like, story. It's just the Ford. They, they should just put a cardboard <laughs> cut out there. <laughs> There's a INDB story that says when she says choose and perish, then like her accent made it sound like Jews and berries, and Bill Murray like couldn't keep a straight face. <laughs> I just imagine like an actor standing like above him, he's just there like with a giant smirk on his face. Yeah, and the state the state puff marshmallow man I I read was um, part of Ackroyd's original treatment like. The, the whole Ghostbusters sort of like in space battling monsters thing. Um, but he, he was only one of the many, uh, you know, monsters that they were fighting. But they were able to kind of like take that, um, that character and put him in New York. I like that because um, there's like a corrupted innocence to it. Like, uh, I, I like that quality because you, you take something that's normally kind of like, you know, very sweet and nice and you make it dangerous. And they're like that always tends to work. You know, but Stapoff, he seems to seem is seemingly only dangerous because he's big. You know, as he's there, he doesn't really do anything. He's just kind of walking. Steps on a church. Yeah. Well, that's a comment. Not in this town, buddy. That, that's commentary. <laughs> yeah, but um, Stapoff was in the first twenty minutes of the original cut of the film. Like he was going to be one of like 
the lesser ghosts that they fight just to show you how dangerous that the ghosts were but and how big they can get so oh yeah i can see that like as an early montage kind of thing and they were originally going to have him come out of the statue of liberty like come out of like the the liberty water island. liberty island to show you how big he was in scale oh like godzilla <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um <laughs> But they cut that idea. Maybe they can do a sequel. Like, Sony owns Godzilla, right? Yeah, maybe they'll do it. Maybe. <laughs> Ghostbusters versus Godzilla. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll have Stay Puft coming out of the water and go into Chinatown so you have Asian people running away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I read that the suits were expensive. They were like 20 grand each. Yeah, the, and the Stay Puft suits. They had to do different masks mm-hmm. for each one. And so each one each, cost each 20 face, grand. Each face, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, each face, yeah, I guess it's kind of similar. And they were like, all destroyed at the end of filming. Yeah, with stop motion. Each of those characters on stop motion like film they all have different faces they didn't even use real marshmallow they used shaving, shaving cream, cream. <laughs> uh, is that what they did back with at the yeah. end yeah. well I, I read this story that um, um, that the what's the actor who plays Peck I can never remember Atherton. his name William Atherton William Atherton was like head, like they put him under the, the bag and he was like how much like like is this gonna hurt and they were like well it's just it's 75 pounds and he and he said you know the, 75 pounds of shaving cream and 75 pounds of metal it's like it's still 75 pounds so they made a stunt double do it and it like took the guy out so they cut the amount of shaving cream in half and then he was happy to stand under it and get (laughs) a a kilogram of steel or a kilogram of feathers (laughs) weighs more (laughs) shout out to gordy (laughs) so uh the legacy of ghostbusters is kind of an interesting thing um, so, um, obviously we had a sequel in 1989, mm-hmm. uh, Ghostbusters 2, which, uh, you know, uh, fan reaction was kind of mixed on that one and still is today, I guess. Um, so I, I think it's fine. I think it's an entertaining movie. I don't think it's, uh, up anywhere near, uh, in quality to the first one, but would, I, I think it's got its ever, moments. Would anything have ever done that though? It's like Star Wars, you know? Empire some, Strikes Back is pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, I guess I was. That's not a good example. I was referring to like other, <laughs> other, other Star Wars films. <laughs> oh, you mean like the Last Jedi against the Force Awakens? Yes. I don't think that's a good example. <laughs> Why don't you just pick a different franchise? Um, Gremlins and Gremlins Two. Star Trek. Ooh, now see, that's a good debate because Gremlins Two has a really big like cult following. Okay. Because it's a lot crazier and mean spirited, you know, uh, you know, more mean spirited than the first one. So a lot of people really like Ghostbusters 2 and think that it's a great sequel. So that's that's a You mean I, Gremlins 2? Yes, Gremlins 2, sorry. Yeah. So I think that's a subject for a different podcast. So we'll, okay. we'll have to parking lot that one. A different Christmas episode. Yeah. 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 Um, one of my favorite things, I remember as a kid when we would go to Universal Studios in Orlando, um, at the actual Universal Studios, they had a show with the Ghostbusters where Beetlejuice would possess the Ghostbusters and they would lip sync and, and dance and stuff to all these like popular songs like Michael Jackson and like Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and stuff. I don't remember when they closed it or why they closed it, but I always remember that was one of my favorite things at Orlando was the Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice shows. Nice. Well, you, you mentioned the real, both of you, Cesar and Jordan, you mentioned the real Ghostbusters cartoon series, uh, but there were also uh, multiple video games and comic books um, you know, uh, multiple animated series too. So yeah, there was one late nineties Extreme, Go- Extreme Ghostbusters. Extreme Ghostbusters. Okay. And the great thing about the comic books, um, everything's canon in the comic books. So okay. Because the, they do interdimensional travel in the comic books. Nice. 
Um, so, like, the Extreme Ghostbusters, the 2016 Ghostbusters, there's, like, a crossing over, and they kind of all get to work together. And the video game's in it, too, because, and, well, the PlayStation 2 video game, you're called a rookie, you're called rookie, that's what it says on your thing, because they didn't, the graphics weren't great enough for you to have your own name. Okay. And in the comic book, he's not given a name, he's just rookie. So, and well, like, the, that, that game well, is really good because it has the Is that voice PlayStation cast. 2 game the one where they came back and did the voices? I played yes. it on PlayStation okay. 3, so it was like that era of, of systems. Because uh, I remember at the time it was like a big coup for them to get Bill Murray. Yeah. Like, it, like they, they weren't sure if they were going to be able really to get good, him. But, yeah. I really enjoy that game. And, but like, they, and there's a rival ghost team in the comic books and they're called the Ghost Smashers. Okay. So like there's a lot of like, what could have been? Yeah, like, and just in the background, like you see a lot of the villains from like the real Ghostbusters, just in the background. Yeah. And it seems to me like the comic book, the you know whoever's right, like the writing, um, the writing team, they're probably super aware of like the legacy of the ghost original Ghostbusters from. They're trying to incorporate all those little bits to probably you know for someone like you who's a massive Ghostbusters fan, um, you get a little, you get quite a bit more out of it than just someone who's more casual like may, maybe me. Well, did did they ever um, include Dan Aykroyd? Is he involved creatively in any of these like kind of spinoff things? Because he's the one that's really tried to keep this alive. Like Sony would love to continue go- making Ghostbusters movies that are hits, but he's the one who has been beating the ground for the last three decades, making sure that Ghostbusters is still a brand. Um, has has he been involved at all? I'm not sure about the comic books, but I know he did writing for the earliest episodes of the real Ghostbusters. Okay. So, I'm so sure a lot of ha- the crazy I'm... ideas that he had have been incorporated in there somehow? I'm sure he has a hand in the comic book as well. I'm sure. I'm sure he's making a little bit of dough off of it at least. Absolutely. So, yeah. That and his crystal vodka. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a friend who met him at a crystal vodka signing, right? Um, yeah, well, four or five years ago or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would I I think Dan Aykroyd would be an interesting guy to have a beer with and just listen to. Yeah. Because like he's he's got. <laughs> I'd be I'd like I'd sit I'd um, sit next to him and be like, man, those men in black, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> let, let him go off on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's I mean he's definitely you know a conspiracy theorist and um, that's why he's so great at like at the techno babble and stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. I remember Ivan Reitman in the commentary saying something like. Um, like Harold Ramis had a speech where he's talking about like a bunch of technical things and uh and Ramis was on the commentary track too and he and he he's listening to himself in the movie give this speech and he's he's laughing and he's just like he's just like this is just classic like Danny Aykroyd like techno babble bullshit like well there's that scene (laughs) in that movie where like they're talking to each other they're like off to the side yeah talking to each other about um I guess during Dana's consultation yeah yeah yeah, a couple, a couple of times he, he said, you know, like, Ackroyd would kind of write these things and nobody could say them and Ackroyd would get all frustrated and walk over and go, what are you talking about? And then he would say it perfectly, <laughs> but nobody else could do it. So it reminds me of that, that great line that Harrison Ford had in um, the making of Star Wars where he was reading the script and he looked at George Lucas and said, you can, you can write this shit, George, but you can't say it, you know? And, and, but Ackroyd is one of those guys that just, like, it feels so natural for him to have like all that sort of like, yeah. you know, but, g- gigawatts and photons and protons and all that stuff to like in conversation. Yeah. It's super funny because they never say the words proton pack in the first film. 
yet everyone just kind of... And they never... Positron Collider. Right. Yeah. And they never call Slimer Slimer. Like, no. no well, I mean, like, Wasn't I he guess, referred like, to as Onion Head? Onion Head, the ghost of John Belushi, because they were like, eh, he's living his best life in the afterlife. <laughs> Well, but they, I mean, like, they it's said like, that the gluttonous aspect of Slimer was definitely based on Belushi. Yeah. yeah. It's like Superman, you know? Like, the legacy of, like, the characters is kind of built on as years go by. So, you know, Superman couldn't fly initially. Kryptonite wasn't a thing. You know, he didn't have his power from the, you know, yellow sun. Um, so I guess, like, the character, somehow you reconcile it through time and different iterations. Right, Ghostbusters is similar. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Ghostbusters 3. Ghostbusters 3. Uh, it sure was a movie. <laughs> wasn't a movie. It sure wasn't a movie. So, uh, so um, you know, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about the different iterations, the possibilities, the what might have beens kind of things? Because I, I know you've kept up with this stuff. So, <laughs> Cesar and I were talking in the car the other day, and I think I might have gotten the title wrong, and... He corrected me because I think that the original, the original Ghostbusters three script was called Ghostbusters Go to Hell. Um, and that was definitely you, one of them. If yeah. Not the, yeah. What did you? What did you say? Evolution, that, the film oh. Evolution from. Ivan Reitman directed that too, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with David Duchovny, Orlando Jones, Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore. Yep. Um, which and is Sean William Scott. Yes, Sean William. I rewatched Scott. Evolution. In the springtime. I think that movie's fun. I enjoy it's it. It's all right, yeah. Um, it was an early DreamWorks film too, though. Yeah, it might have been like one of their first ones. You know, after like Galaxy Quest. Well, I remember their marketing campaign was like from the guy who directed Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you're you've never seen that film though, is that right? I have not seen that yeah. film. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. Since you've seen it more recently, CJ, uh, you might have to correct me on some of this. But the film is about a group of scientists who are, are kicked out of like their college um, and they're stuck. And they're studying, um, I guess, uh, aliens that come down. And um, there's, like, evolutionary chains that are affecting um, local creatures. It's so basically they're... like a comedic version of Alex Garland's Annihilation. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, or, Orlando Jones and David Duchovny are scientists who are working at a local college. And a meteorite hits the ground near them. And they take their students out as like an expedition to kind of go and investigate and take sample readings and things like that. And uh, weird stuff starts to happen. And there are evolutionary changes in the microbes that were surrounding the meteor. And they turn into like giant monsters uh, that they have to sort of, you know, corral and fight and stuff like that. Um, and uh, it, it has its moments. I think it's okay. Um, I mean, I had a good time rewatching it, but it's not like I probably hadn't watched it in well over a decade for good reason because it's just it's an average movie. I think Julianne Moore, from what I remember, Julianne Moore is pretty funny in it. She's like the she's super, got good comic timing. Super anything. clumsy, like scientist. Like she's always walking yeah. in the doors and stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah, she's she's a little bumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Ghostbusters go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, like over the years, like. Like I said, Ackroyd has tried to keep this idea alive, and I know for a long time, you know, uh, the studio wanted to commit to making a movie, but they did not want to commit to making a movie without the three original Ghostbusters, and and there was a lot of resentment, uh, open resentment in some cases by some of the other people involved because Bill Murray would never commit. Um, 
you know, and every time Bill Murray would get asked about it on interviews, when he would do other press for movies, uh, you know, I, 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 whether, whether he meant it or not, I mean, he was using the language that made sense, you know, like we made a really, really, really great movie and then we made a not so great sequel. And that, I mean, that's debatable, you know, but uh, you know, you don't want to come out and make another one, you know, just to make it. It's got to be better than the last one we made and close to the quality of the first one we made. And every time they would send him a script, he would say that the concept just wasn't there for him. Um, although Ackroyd many times uh, from what I read or, or listened to, if he did interviews, would say that he, sometimes he thought Bill never even read the script. That he just, he just wanted to just drag it along and never do it. Um, and uh, and that's need, a shame. You need to but, get Wes Anderson to you know put a script in front of him, see what happens. Wes Anderson did revitalize his career, yeah. definitely. So, um, and Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola. Yeah. So, I'd love to get my hand on that script, though. I w- I would love to see where it was going. Like I know, like the basics. Like they were going to actually do interdimensional travel in the third. Yeah. Film. Mm-hmm. Well, the the comic is a realization of all those rumors and stuff. Probably. Right. What. And it's really well written. I'm like the comic book is just it holds the same spirit as the first the first film mm-hmm. and like the the cartoon and you should listen to the soundtrack for like the cartoon and the films while you're reading the comic book. Absolutely. Immerse yourself into that world. So what do you think of the all female Ghostbusters movie? See, when he said Ghostbusters 3, I was like, yeah, that sure was a movie. That's what I thought he was talking about. Gotcha. <laughs> That's that sure not was what I was talking about. Because <laughs> um, it's not. It's a reboot. It's it's okay. You know, I'm not mad at it like some people are. I, I thought it was fine. Yeah. I mean, as of this recording, I don't know. Like, I saw pictures on Facebook memories that two years ago, a day or two ago, we all went to watch Ghostbusters. Because it, it came out on my birthday, birthday yeah. Mm-hmm. That year. Oh, happy and birthday. Jordan, Jordan dressed up. I sure did. It was adorable. Up. And then we went to the diner afterwards because I was wearing my Ghostbuster shirt. We and got we a picture, picture together. together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I still have that. Oh. Um, I I thought the the 2016 one was fine. Yeah. It's it's sillier than the original though. Like Absolutely. they did not they did not keep the idea of grounding it in a recognizable reality. They they chose to do it in a more modern heightened comedic reality um like a anchorman reality kind of a thing um where it, it almost feels like sketch comedy as opposed to the original movie which is i mean i think that's one of the things that we're missing from comedy now is like the comedy in the 80s the reason we kind of look back constantly and reappreciate these movies every few years is that they're real movies with real music scores and real cinematography. I mean, these guys were trying to make a legit movie. It was just a funny movie. And now I think you don't, you don't quite get the same level of craft in a lot of the comedies that are coming out now. And, and, What's uh, an example? I, I think when you just look at, look at most modern comedies, like they just, they're very clean. Uh, they seem like they're... Like a lot of modern comedies are almost like set up like fables or fairy tales or something like they just like they are not in a recognizable world that you exist in look at the new vacation compared to like the first vacation i've never seen it oh no you're missing out you've never seen the new one correct yeah well 
Chris Hemsworth is pretty great in it. But well, Chris Hemsworth is great, great in this. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is pretty great in both those. So uh, I guess you just need Chris Hemsworth and The Rock to revitalize every failing reboot. I mean, Chris Hemsworth. Baywatch <laughs> did not do well. Well, Chris Hemsworth wasn't in that, though. The Rock was, though. Yeah. That's why both. you need them together to do it. Together. Just to then. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I love The Rock, but I don't, you know, The Rock is not in great movies. Period. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't think The Rock's been in a single great movie. Name one. He's in, he's in all right movies. He's in entertaining movies. It's kind of fun to watch him. But he's like a cartoon character himself. He's so big. Sure. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know. The big lug. It's, yeah, the bald head, the eyebrow, the, the bulging muscles. I mean, he's, he's Schwarzenegger without the era of action movies that Schwarzenegger thrived in. Um, if, if The Rock was a personality in the 80s, he would be like Stallone and like Schwarzenegger. But he's trying to exist in a world where... Action movies now are people like Matt Damon, you know, like, and Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. and, you know, who don't look like him, who don't need to, you know, put six hours in at the gym every day. Yeah. You know, um, so it's, it's, a, it's a weird place for a big guy like, like Dwayne Johnson to be. And, I, like, the reason I think that there's so much comedy in the movies that he makes is because, like, he does look so exaggerated because of that. Like, you know. I think that comes from his WWE background, though. Yeah, that's the, yeah. That, that's very cartoony, larger than life, and it's very theatrical. Sure. So. He's got a lot of personality, though. I do like The Rock. See skyscraper in theaters now, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe don't. I hear it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although Rampage was better than I expected, I will I will go to bat for Rampage and say that it's not a great movie, but like I think you would probably enjoy it because you, seen you it love yet, kaiju movies and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and I, I think I think it definitely has a uh, a good entertaining quality. Yeah, this you know? inadvertently turned into like a, a rock. So what appreciation? I'm just mm-hmm. saying, rocking the Ghostbusters. The tangents are what make it. Yeah. Yeah. They come for this this rapport. That's right, right, guys. That's why you come in for this, right? All right, yeah. so let's 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 pull it back then. All right, let's pull it back to Ghostbusters. So, is there anything else that uh, that you want to talk about, Jordan? What didn't we talk about that you love about Ghostbusters? Um, the locations. A lot of people think that it's just New York, but a lot of stuff was shot here in LA. Yeah, they they um, only shot for four weeks in New York. Right. So, but it it still feels like a good New York movie. The extras and the actors that they had did a great job. Um, and I think they do a good job of matching. I know, Chelsea, go ahead and say it. I know what you're going <laughs> to say. The redheaded Ch- extra who Chelsea. just yells, Ghostbusters! Like, guys, <laughs> <laughs> like the best. Well, it's funny because like he's in, he's in one shot where he's here, and then he's at the front of the barrier, and then he yells. He just is so enthusiastic about the Ghostbusters. Overly excited extras are always pretty. They're fun. the best. Funny to spot. That's not where I thought you were going to go. Well, okay, then you go there. <laughs> no, I don't want to because it's okay. So it's a little bit of a weird fact, but outside of where where the barricades are, where when the containment unit explodes, there's a like porn star actor in the bottom left hand. Ron corner. Jeremy, right? Yeah, yeah. and oh, then he was okay. in a Ghostbuster party, but porn party. So 
There you go. That's where I thought you were going because you because you started laughing. So I was like, <laughs> I just that she must again. be. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. See, I mean, I didn't know what scene he was in. I've read that he's in it. Yeah. But I guess like when we watched it most recently, I didn't catch it. I might have had, might have been because I had a dog in my lap. Poor <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> Buttercup. She just wants to be loved. She is a dog. <laughs> that wasn't insulting. She, she's over here getting some love right now. Yeah, I guess Buttercup. so. All right. Do you guys have anything else? Any final thoughts? What a great movie. Mm. <laughs> Chelsea. It is fun. CJ. It is fun. No, it, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a quintessential 80s movie for a reason. This movie could not have been made any other time period. If you go back 10 years or even go forward 10 years, this movie would have been totally different. It, it could only exist in the mid 80s. Yeah, this movie is something special. And I think uh, yeah, I, it, 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 for me, it'll hold up years and years down the line. And I think it's a movie, I don't know how many times I've watched it, maybe like 15 or 20 times, but, you know. There's always time for one more viewing. Yeah. Uh, we're all petting the dog. She was starting to chew on Cesar's uh, shoelaces, so I was like, stop. <laughs> Don't chew on the shoelaces, But I didn't dog. want to yell Everyone at her. I had these shoes for a week. Damn. Laces out, Ventura. All right, well, let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> cool. <laughs> right. um, yeah, these guys got a plane to catch. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not for a few hours, though. Uh, we'll go out and celebrate and have a good uh, have a good meal. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap this up then. We'll have some uh, some ecto cooler. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's the dream. See, that's another one of those pop culture things that happened. High C ecto cooler. And the green Twinkies that came out. They they filled. They had green Twinkies. Yeah, the slime when? Twinkie Twinkies. Like in the eighties. No, like recently. Like when the 2016 movie came Absolutely. out? Absolutely. It was Ecto Cooler and Green Twinkies. I didn't know that. But like the Ecto Cooler was from the 80s though. Yeah. Like they, they, used, they used to come in like big cans. Like I bought actual cans that you had to like. Cesar bought a, you bought a lot of I them. bought gallons of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, brought, you brought in the high C ones to share with us. I remember so that. The yeah. You're a very generous individual, by the way. Well, yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for that. I never enjoyed one though. Sorry. Gordy had a bunch. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I, I, I think Gordy drank mine, but that's Probably. okay. Yeah. You ate Gordy's cookies, so it's you guys are even. Mm, game on. Hey, if it's back there, it's fair game. <laughs> it's back, if it's in the back room of the Sun Coast, it's fair game. It is. No joke. It, Unless it's got it your name on it. It was fair game. <laughs> <laughs> Until I eat it. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, Jordan, thank you for joining us. Chelsea, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having um, me. Jordan, do you have a internet footprint? You wanna like, what's your Twitter handle? Oh my God! Uh, Where I can don't... people find you on the internet? Oh God! Hurry <laughs> up! Hurry up! You, you might get a whole host of like new followers who love Ghostbusters. Well, my Twitter, my Twitter handle is Jordy Mac Five. So at Jordy Mac Five. At Jordy Mac Five. That's okay. about it. All right, <laughs> and Chelsea. I don't use the Twitter. Yes, well, you, I have one, you but have I don't. One. I don't use it. So you have a letterbox. I have account? a letterbox. What's that under? Seven one five. Okay. And I have an Instagram at Concocted Reality. So and I've been using that more. Do Do I follow you on? You uh, do. I mean, um, I think you do. Letterbox. I mean, I think you do. I follow you. I don't know okay. if you follow me. But... I think I do. Yeah. We'll see. I'm like pretty, pretty sure I don't follow you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, you uh, have to because you saw that I rated. Uh, 
All right, uh, all right. That movie, two and a half stars. No, no one listening that. cares about whether or not I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Setting the Frame or on Letterboxd. Um, and Mr. Cesar, what about you, sir? Uh, you can find me at filmsmash.com, uh, Letterboxd, and at Twitter at Junior Biho. And I guess maybe I'll do a shout out if you happen to be in DC at the Oda, at the Otakon Anime uh, Convention. Um, which is this August, August 9th to whatever. <laughs> um, I have three panels. Um, my first panel is right in the morning, first panel of the day of the convention, one late night that Friday and one midday Saturday. What panels are you doing? I'm presenting Asian superhero or superheroes of Asian film, which is a take on Western style superheroes, um, just be it from uh, Eastern film industries. Uh, one Man Army, which is basically action scenes of one person taking on tons of people for a very fun and very ridiculous uh, 60 minutes. And an 18 plus one for zombie zombies in Asian film. So that's going to be, it's going to have boobs and, and blood. Sounds beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, well, we will see you next week. Uh, next week we will have... Uh, a special episode uh, without Cesar uh, on All About Eve. Yeah, it's a long flight, guys. Uh, and then and then the week after, I believe, we will finally catch up and do that episode of Charade that we've been talking about. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> if Cesar ever watches it. Uh, so thanks, guys. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Say bye, girls. Bye. Bye. <laughs>